Good morning. I hear a, a pretty good bustle out there. As I said at the 8.30 service, I'm sure everybody knows what's important today on this Sunday in September, what it's the start of. No, it's not what takes place this afternoon. It's the start of our program here at First Presbyterian Church. First priority. So welcome this morning. I'm Dave Ferris, the presiding elder. And welcome you here, old friends, and also visitors. If you're a guest or a member who'd like to put a note in the pew pad at the end of your pew, please do so, for we'd be called upon. And if you have any concerns of a state of ministers to call on people for personal needs, uh, out in the narthex is Teresa Carter, who is a Stephen minister today. And we welcome you afterwards. Unfortunately, due to the weather, we're going to have our picnic indoors in the fellowship hall. So please continue on in there for hot dogs and hamburgers. And if you want to treat it as a tailgate party for other reasons, you can. And a few announcements. Uh, one I have from Joyce Drake is the Penny Pinchers are looking for volunteers. You can sign up in the fellowship hall afterwards this morning and uh, to help in the Penny Pincher sale. It's always a, a great fundraiser by the women and members of our church, so they could use volunteers. Are there other announcements? I think there might be one. Yes. Thank you very much. Hi, my name is Betsy Wilson, and I am here to tell you about our Logos program. It's that time. Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the organ. Logos is our midweek youth program for kindergarten through fourth grade. Loving Logos is for fifth and sixth grade. And Living Logos is for seventh grade and up. And we have games and singing and bells, Bible study, and dinner for all of us every week from four to seven every Wednesday for 23 weeks. Starting this Wednesday. This Wednesday. For 23 years, our congregation, parents, and grandparents have taken the time to to volunteer creating intergenerational bonds for future leaders. Our future. You know, Betsy, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking of like a pond, and it's almost smooth, like a mirror. And you take that little pebble, and you throw it in, and then all of a sudden the ripples go out touching everywhere, almost every shoreline. That's right. That's what our kids and volunteers through Logos have done over the years. They've sent ripples all around us and through our church. If you've ever volunteered or taken part in Logos, let's just stand up. If you've taken part, stand up. Whoever has taken part or participated, all of you... It takes the church. In Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time for everything and a season for everything under heaven. This is your time. Should we tell him about Mr. Manners? Oh, Mr. Manners, sure. I think that'd be a great idea. I don't know if you know Mr. Manners here. He was at our uh, every week, and he tells about the manners. 
Well, there's something really cool. Mr. Manners had tadpoles. And tadpoles grow into baby frogs, and the baby frogs are everywhere! Take one of those baby frogs home to remind you about logos. It's the time. Thank you for listening, and if you have any questions, you may talk to Matt or I after service. Those of you who don't know Matt Wall, he's, he's very shy, reserved, and uh, dedicated to Logos. So thank you both, and uh, great program. With that, Bruce, would you uh, prepare us for worship? Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God, for he is gracious and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. He casts the wicked to the ground. He covers the heavens with clouds, prepares rain for the earth, makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the animals their food and to the young ravens when they cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the speed of a runner, But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He grants peace within your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. Praise the Lord. 
Let us worship God. Please join me in prayer. At the dawn of your creation, God, you spoke, let there be light. You divided earth from heaven, you created day and night. You made sunbeams dance with shadows, you created energy, peaceful evenings, bright tomorrows. All began with let there be. When you made us as your children, sending us throughout your lands, You commanded, have dominion, care for earth, it's in your hands. Yet we hurt this world you've given, we harm earth and sky and sea. 
We forget it's your creation. You who once said, let there be. At this joyful celebration, may we hear your word anew. May we care for your creation, knowing it's a trust from you. Just as daily there's a dawning, when stars fade to light we see, so we daily hear your calling. You who once said, let there be. Some tell us that confession is good for the soul. Our experience is that confession can also be good for our blood pressure and our compulsion to always be right and in control. Confession is particularly good for the soul, but it's also good for relationships, for honesty, for coming to terms with our motivations and our thoughts. Most of all, confession brings us closer to God and to each other, and in that hopefulness, we pray together. God of grace, love, and communion, we confess that we have failed to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We ignore your commandments, stray from your way, and follow other gods. Have mercy on us, forgive our sin, and raise us to new life, that we may serve you faithfully and give to your holy name. Amen. Friends, in Christ, we are assured that there is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, God is doing a new thing amongst us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. be seated. We have, a, we have about a four to five minute video clip we'd like to show you. We're not so sure that it will work. Uh, it did work early this morning and then about the 8.30 service it elected not to. We're not quite sure why. Let me tell you something about our sound system. The first few rows here in the church, people normally hear what we call direct speech. That means they hear whoever is speaking out of our mouths. And we have these big speakers over here. They kind of miss the first few rows. If you want to know where the deadest place is in the entire room, it's in here, in the chancel. So when Carrie and I sit there, we seldom don't hear each other at all. Uh, Some of the best sound is about uh, this side of the balcony, a row or two. And under the balcony is usually pretty good because they're more direct sounds... uh, speakers there. There are a lot of them, and they're small. They're actually turned down to a low volume, and these are high. So we sometimes have an echoing problem. We'll see if we can give this a shot. If it works, great, but I thought I'd let you know that in advance. I think this shut down.
You know what else I can do? Kind of like owning the TV remote. Solid plan here, Frank. Got all your bases covered there. Good. Do you have that workup from last week? Oh, yeah. Got that right here. Here it is. College, retirement, you name it. Bottom of column C is your total net present value. Cover every expense for life. Stay on track. I'd say that's a realistic goal there. Oh, well, let's take that and double it. Double it? to be safe you're the boss new toy favorite toy it's an old vintage biplane probably worth a fortune at an auction but I can't get him to put it down uh, you know uh, we, we'd mentioned uh, talking through a charitable giving plan oh right uh, put that on the list for next week will do thanks again for all your hard work No need to show me out. I know my way. You enjoy the pool. Bye, Cassie. Hold on just a second. Goodbye, Alan. No, I think that's a great idea. They're going to love it. We would be happy to do it, Janice. Okay, see you then. (sighs) She's still having you go to that thing tonight? Uh, That thing would be welcoming back the Davises after three years in the Philippines. Mm. And no, we're not going to that thing tonight. We're not. I said that we could host it here. Cassie. Frank. What is wrong with Janice's house? If you'll excuse me, I've got a caterer to call. These are some clothes for Lindsay. Janice said that they had to leave almost everything behind. You should pull out some stuff for Chris. Send him a support check every month. Wait, are we done doing that thing? Ray, you didn't have to do that. Oh, glad to do it, Miss Donovan. You know, we had a family at our church, lost their house on a fire. We had to get together for them, too. Blessed every one of us. kids, right? Just one. A boy about Evan's age. Um, Tristan, I think. So now we got kids coming too? Just theirs and ours. Yeah, now. That looks like it could just fly right off the page. Why are you bringing stuff in? That's not your job. No, I just want to. Why? Can I show you something? Yeah, a long time ago, God's people used to sacrifice sheep to show how much they loved him. Right? You know, some folk would give him the best of the best. Right? Big and healthy and 
white as snow. But some of the folk didn't want to give up the good sheep. So they would give God their skinny, sick, spotty, and stinky sheep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Which sacrifice do you think would make God happier? The good sheep. There you got it. So, you know, I don't have to carry stuff in and all that, but uh, I just don't want to give God any stinky sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Dad? I'm looking for something to give the Davises. They just got back from the Philippines and they don't have much. Mom told me to tell you that they're here. Okay. Well, it has been so long and we are so happy to have you guys back, right? We'll be right back because I want to bring you to see Janice. Come on. Thanks again for hosting this, Frank. It's very generous of you. Don't mention it. Uh, how are you guys settling in? We're getting there. Tristan here has been quite a trooper. Hey, I wanted to... Uh... Hi, I'm Evan. Hi. My mom said you didn't get to take any toys back with you. We didn't have room. Do you like airplanes? Yeah. This one's pretty neat. You can have it if you want it. Thanks. Wanna go play? Go on. Wow. You must be so proud of him. Yeah. Would you excuse me, please? Take any toys back with you. We didn't have room. Do you like airplanes? Yeah. This one's pretty neat. You can have it if you want it. Invite Joe for mouse reports. Well, that's kind of an interesting video, don't you think? I think there's a person who is a real hero and star in that video. You know who I think that is? Who do you think is the real hero and star in that video? Eh? Yeah, that was Evan. Evan gave away a plane that was very valuable to him, wasn't it? It was his favorite toy, 
and yet he gave it to Tristan, who had come back from the Philippines because his family had been there for three years as missionaries. And I thought it was kind of interesting that he was willing to give that up. What do you think about his dad, Frank? What's that? He didn't, he had a watch, right? Was he going to give his good watch or his, well, it's one that was left over in a drawer somewhere, yeah. But it's kind of interesting that the one who really gave something of value to him showed his real heart, which was really wonderful. Now, some of you have offering gifts to give, right? And you have some things that you have made, and uh, we want to have an opportunity for you to put them. Pastor Carrie has a basket, so you can put those in her basket, which would be wonderful. And I know that those are important because they come from your heart, which is what God really looks for anyway. Let's all pray. Lord God, we give you thanks for this wonderful new school year. And for the opportunity that we have learned more about you, we ask that you will bless us, that we might bless others and show you our gratitude. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you have a great time in Sunday school today. Thanks for coming up. Bruce has uh, generously given me an opportunity to say a little bit about the course that you see on the insert of your bulletin before I read the first lesson of the day. This is, as you can see, a 14-week series called Stars of the Intertestamental Era, the 500 Years Before Christ, and we begin at 11.30 a.m. in the chapel uh, on the second floor adjacent to the choir loft, that is, after you pick up your hot dog. This course covers, in nine months, the 500 tumultuous years before Christ, as well as the biblical literature which set the stage for the Christian era. Uh, To many, this is another dark age of faith, formerly known as the intertestamental era. It's the era of the end of the Old Testament, as well as the development of late Old Testament literature such as Proverbs, Ezra, Nehemiah, Ecclesiastes, and so on. And it also includes the development of apocryphal literature such as First and Second Maccabees, Tobit, and Judith. It's the era of Cyrus the Great, Alexander the Great, the Maccabees, Anthony and Cleopatra, and Herod the Great. It's an era of great hope and great tragedy, and it's an era of lots of blood, sadly. To understand it is to help one understand the passion that leaps from the pages of the New Testament. Knowing the religious and political developments of the 500 years before Christ is essential for understanding both Christianity and modern Judaism. So please join us today sometime after 1130. Grab a hot dog and come on up. 
Now please give ear to the reading of the first lesson of the day from Psalm 8. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are the human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The word of the Lord. second lesson is from Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
As something choir, you don't know about that hymn. It's really the unofficial alma mater of the school that Carrie and Rod and I attended. In all the years that I was there, doing my theological education, I, I did field education on the weekends. And most of us would get back on Sunday night, having spent the weekend in churches all over Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware. And at 11 o'clock at night, we would gather in the chapel just to sing that hymn. And your singing takes me there. Second Samuel 24. That day, Gad came to David and said to him, Go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Araunah the Jebusite. Following Gad's instructions, David went up as the Lord had commanded. When Araunah looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming toward him, and Araunah went out and prostrated himself before the king with his face to the ground. Araunah said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, in order to build an altar to the Lord, so that the plague may be averted from our people. Then Araunah said to to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges, the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Araunah gives to the king. And Araunah said to the king, May the Lord your God respond favorably to you, O king. Then King David said to Araunah, No, I will buy them from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being. And so the Lord answered his supplication for the land and the plague was averted. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Over the years, I've collected some random thoughts about the universe. My goal is simple. It is complete understanding of the universe, why it is, as it is, and why it exists at all. Stephen Hawking. Okay, what is the speed of dark? 
That is Stephen Wright. I heard him say this one evening when I had some insomnia and watched portions of The Late Show with Craig Ferguson on Channel 8. This comment was followed by, Black holes are where God divided by zero. Light thinks it travels faster than anything, but it is wrong. No matter how fast light travels, it finds darkness has always got there first and is waiting for it. That is Terry Pratchett. But if I really want to find a superior intellect to tell me about the universe, I turn to Calvin and Hobbes. The surest sign that intelligent life exists somewhere in the universe is that it has never tried to contact us. (laughs) Or this thought. With hurricanes, tornadoes, fires out of control, mudslides, flooding, severe thunderstorms, tearing up the country from one end to the other, and with the threat of avian flu and terrorist attacks, are we sure that this is a good time to take God out of the Pledge of Allegiance, Jay Leno? This morning, we're going to begin to examine the universe and all the stars. Indeed, stars will be a theme for us throughout the fall. Matter of fact, you will find stars mentioned in every one of the hymns we sing today. In your bulletin this morning, you'll find a summary of our all-stars living generously theme. Even today, Rod will begin teaching this incredible class on the stars of the intertestamental era. Before we bring it all to a conclusion, we're going to learn how to cut stars like Betsy Ross. We're going to decorate parts of our church with stars. We're going to have an opportunity to learn about stars from the Rochester Museum and Science Center. And we're going to honor some of the stars who have made a difference in our own lives. Eventually, we're going to move this along to our All-Star Sunday when we make some commitments to God and to ourselves and remember that in God's eyes, we are all stars. Actually, God rather said so. And we heard it when Rod read Psalm 8. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals, that you care for them. Fascinating, really. I think that as our students begin this school year, they're going to change from my study of history. I remember having to take history, at least during my era, which gives an indication of how old I am, beginning in third grade, all the way through high school, we had history. Now, I think the study of history is useful. For me, the yellow pie 
was the most elusive when trying to play Trivial Pursuit, and that is the pie for history. I don't know if you've ever felt like I have. You needed some conversational tidbit from history to pass the time at a party when you were cornered by the guy who's about as interesting as wallpaper. Maybe you had a history teacher like mine who kept repeating the mantra as if to underscore the importance of history because the class appeared to be so bored. He would say, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. I used to think to myself, well, yes, as long as repeating the past doesn't mean another lap through this class. (laughs) But I want to talk a little bit about Big history. Big history. Places the normal telling of history of humanity within the entire known cosmic past. The beginning of the universe up until this morning. Therein lies the beauty of this interdisciplinary approach. It is science and the humanities playing nicely together. Big history connects all of the dots. It explains how everything has become the way it is now, and it helps students to understand their position in time and space in a way that no other approach to history can. I mean, just consider these few snapshots from a big history class description. In this course, you will encounter intriguing factoids that put a grand scale of the story into perspective. The entire human civilization as we have really known it, 5,000 years approximately, makes up a mere 2% of the human experience. Approximately 98% of human history occurred before the invention of agriculture. All the matter we know of in the universe is likely to be no more than one billionth of the actual matter that was originally created. At present, we cannot drill deeper than about seven miles into the earth, which is just two-tenths of one percent of the distance to the earth's center. Between A.D. 1000 and A.D. 2000, the human population rose by a factor of 24. Traveling in a jet plane, it would take 5 million years to get from our solar system to the next nearest star. Now, agree with the science or not, the question is, What are astronomy and anthropology doing in a history class? They're there because big history is the history of everything. So before there were people, there were rocks about which people could have talked. It's probably the History 101 that my grandchildren will study. I think the world is changing, and that's going to be their history. 
And the reason I raise this is because Psalm 8 takes this multidisciplinary approach to praising God. Instead of big history, we have a big God on display. There are lots of ways to try and understand God and God's universe. A few years ago, I purchased a tablet. It was pretty simple by today's standards, and it can't run the snazziest of apps. It started to wimp out when I downloaded this amazing app called Google Sky. If you've got an Android phone, you should try this. When your phone is held out to the horizon and you have Google app on it, the screen shows all of the stars and the constellations that are visible at that trajectory of your phone. You move your phone and it shows where the stars are there. It is the digital equivalent of a star chart wheel that I had to work with when I was younger. It can teach you theology, too. You just picture the psalmist sitting out on a Palestinian hillside. Black skies are pierced by stars in a way that most of us in electrically lit cities never see. He is stunned. He is stunned into worship and reflection. If God's glory has been set above the heavens, then imagine God's astonishing glory given how almost incomprehensibly vast this universe is. He sees this. A few statistics. A beam of light takes eight minutes to cross the 93 million miles between Earth and the sun. Our solar system, the sun and its planets, is the relative size of a quarter. If we consider our galaxy, and our galaxy is the size of North America. If you were to count the stars in our galaxy, one per second, it would take you 2,500 years to count them all. You don't get to sleep either. The Milky Way contains billions of stars, but our galaxy is only one of at least 200 billion galaxies. But in contrast to how big God is, the universe is tiny. After all, according to the psalmist, God's fingers push the stars into place. God's massive hands are billions of light years wide, holding the heavens in his palms, Isaiah 40. God numbers the billions of stars, speaking each of their names as he counts, Psalm 147. It is the way in which the ancients could speak, a poetic language to describe which science alone can't describe. And then, through all of this, God gets personal. If God is that big, then what is God doing? Paying attention 
to something as small as me. If the earth is that quarter somewhere in North America, then our state is like a molecule of pocket lint. And we're like a quark in the nucleus of one atom of the pocket lint. It seems to me that we soon will be trading in our telescopes for microscopes. Given this comparative sizing, how heart-stopping is the realization that God is mindful of, caring toward each of us. God counts the names of trillions of stars. God knows so much further with each of us. Who are mortals that God values us? Now, Frank, we saw here, isn't really a bad guy? In case you were drawing that conclusion, if you were able to hear it, he reminded his wife, Cassie, that they sent a monthly check to support the Davis family who were missionaries in the Philippines. I mean, he was not thrilled about hosting a welcome home party for the Davises, a party that provided an incredible opportunity for Evan to feel God's tug on his heart. You see, I think we filter lots of data through this question. How will this be good for me? Instead of, how does God want to use me? Jesus, you know, left all the protection of heaven to risk everything for us. Very few of us have sheep today. Evan had an airplane. Frank had watches. Ray had a service. We all have something to give. Time, gifts, money. What they did with what they had did not reflect their level of financial ability. It reflected their heart and their view of God. Where's your heart? Does your heart take joy in an opportunity to honor God through what you do? Or does your heart search through dusty drawers to find what it will give to God? King David, imperfect as he was, said, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. That's why he is considered throughout history a man after God's own heart. Frank gave sparingly out of his abundance. Ray gave sacrificially of his time. Evan gave his favorite toy, one that he couldn't just run down to the store and replace. That wide shot of Frank standing alone, feeling isolated and ashamed, gave him an opportunity to look at the sky. When the clouds disappear and the rain, 
Maybe you will go outside before you sleep some evening this week. And you'll look up at the stars and you'll consider that as vast as the universe is, God is concerned about you. God wants the best for you. And God wants you to be your best. Consider how God might be challenging you to reflect your heart. What is God asking you to do? To share? To give? Some time? Some service? As we give our first and best this week, we might reflect that what we offer God reflects our heart. Here is a prayer for us. Giving God, we are grateful for wisdom, for beauty, for the ways in which we see your glory all around us. Most of all, we thank you for caring for us and for entrusting to us the ministry of caring for your earth and for one another. Like loving parents, you have given us freedom and your love has been consistently offered even when we have not lived as responsibly as you have outlined life for us. May the offering of ourselves and these gifts extend our faith and thankfulness and honor you, creator, savior, and sustainer. Amen.
may be seated, friends. Our chancel is adorned with a couple of beautiful and meaningful things. Janet Jennison, thank you for dedicating the flowers in love and memory of two spectacular men. We also give thanks and praise to Warner and Joanne Meininger, who presented this flag to our church, the significance of which is that their daughter received it as a bridesmaid's gift. It flew over the Pentagon on September 11, 2002, in commemoration of the year's past tragedy. And so we look to the stars. We give thanks for those first responders who looked within and gave without. And we continue to pray for those who, when faced with tragedy, choose negative consequences. We also give thanks and praise for surgeons' hands who have been taking care of members of our congregation. Peter Bodding had carotid artery surgery earlier this week. Thankfully, he is doing well and is at home. And we're simultaneously praying for Libby Bodding, who began chemotherapy treatments this week. Please keep the Boddings in your prayers. And we give thanks and praise for the care that they're receiving from physicians and from friends. We also pray this week for those who have gone back to school at whatever level and whatever duty they fulfill, either the teaching or the learning. May they find fulfillment in God's grace as they enjoy that which expands the mind and has us look to the stars. Please join me in prayer. God, you tirelessly drape our shoulders with a mantle of your protecting covenant. We give you thanks for the countless ways you care for creation. Through our Savior, the Christ, you have cast away doubt and fear and encouraged us to look to the stars. We give thanks for the Spirit who dwells within us and around us and surrounds us with truth as we pursue the way of your glorious kingdom. We are thankful for the companions on this pilgrimage of faith, thinkers who ponder your mysteries and point to new boundaries of truth and understanding, doers of the word who press on with ceaseless energy to fulfill the kingdom's goals, healers who translate the compassion of Christ into acts of human renewal and restoration. All these prepare the way for us as we journey to your new day. Indeed, we find many reasons to praise you, and we join with others who celebrate your creation, whether it is in the form of a new, a new baby like Noah Lewis Privatera, or a successful surgery like the Bodings, or a program, or an ability. We also join in praying for people who suffer in sorrow. For them and their families, we ask your healing peace. God of grace, we're confident that you lift those who seek your face and hear us as we pray as our Savior taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
remember you got a job to do this week. You got to go look at the stars sometime. If it's helpful, go out to Menden Ponds Park. It's a little darker there, and you see more from that vantage point. But consider all that God has made and that he values you. Go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us all today and in the life everlasting. Amen.